everyone, welcome to The Agenda on Monday the 16th of January 2023, coming to you from a, a very sunny, if very cold, um, canvas lang. Um, we are joined, as always, by uh, our good friend Alan Edgar. How are you, Alan? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Spring has sprung. That's not raining, so it's all good. All good. I mean, it's literally Blue Monday. It's like the the day when everyone gets uh, a bit annoyed because it's still January mm. dark. But it's nice and bright. Um, how how's things your your end? You're just over the road from me, so not too bad. It's all good. I lovely. I don't really subscribe to the Blue Monday idea, so I'm having a I'm having a really hard time to be honest. I wish there was more hours in the day today. What was the highest selling single in the history of Britain? It's twelve inch, I think. Is I think you're tw- looking for the biggest selling twelve inch. I was looking for tw- I was looking for something. I was grasping. That Sorry is, to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, that is the voice of it. Alan Blue Monday's a a song by New Order. Popular techno band New Order. <laughs> good, good. Uh, Colin, Electronic. I, I, I just leave it. Uh, Colin Kearney is also with us this week. Hello, Colin. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah. Great to be here. Lovely stuff. How's the south side of Glasgow? Is it nice and sunny as well? Nice and sunny, yeah. And uh, it's just amazing how starved we are for vitamin D that um, both me and Tara have been cutting about the flat this morning like little happy pixies. Delighted. Uh, our good friend Kieran Devlin uh, has got a well-deserved break. He's going to be away for the next two weeks. So I uh, hope he has a nice time. Um, lovely stuff. Um, yeah, what a weekend. What a bloody weekend. Um, fit or full of fantastic results from Celtic from Celtic FC women. Um, great stuff. Uh, we're gonna kind of pour over it all. But um, how was your weekend? How's your week been, Alan? Talk me through it. Are you in a, uh, a a Glasgow state of mind? I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. But um, no, it was good. It was. Um, I was looking forward to Saturday. It was. It was a wee bit. Um, it was a bit damp, but made the most of it. A couple of beers before, a couple of beers after. And uh, yeah, it was all good. Enjoyed it. Pleasant. Good stuff. Uh, Colin, you were on the reaction. Uh, you, um, how, how, How's your week been though? How's your how's everything going with you? Everything good? Hi, all, all good. Um, had a nice weekend, caught up with some old pals, watched a lot of football. Had my first ever driving lesson last night. How was that? Um, it was great. I'm right into it. Um, I I know it's kind of ridiculous to be learning to drive at my age, but um, when I was young, I I was in I used to play in bands a lot, and I never wanted to drive the van because I was lazy, so I never learned to drive. <laughs> uh, so that's my excuse. But yeah, it was, so that was fun. I've got another one tonight, and uh, yeah, all good, Oof. all good with the world. Are you going for the like batch, like what is it, kind of extensive course sort of thing? No, I was thinking about that initially, but I felt that that might be. Uh, a bridge too far so I'm kind of easing myself in and I uh, got a recommendation a friend of mine who sort of changed careers and had to learn to drive quite quickly and his dotage uh, recommended this dude so um, I'm just going in like one a week see how we get on it just happens to be that the availability for this week was the Monday so sweet uh, yeah so watch out everybody in the south side of Glasgow <laughs> um, please wear high vis um, and obey all road laws <laughs> yeah I mean I would, I would in, in regards to obeying all road laws I would say that the same to you um, because pedestrians you know 
shouldn't I'm be. exempt. I get a little I get a little learner sign, so apparently I can kill people legally, so that's why. Jesus. It's a very, very stressful experience learning to drive. So I, I wish you all the best in your journey, Colin. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'll keep you all posted. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get updates uh, over the next couple of weeks and months. Uh, but not From the police. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Colin is unfortunately in jail. Um, <laughs> but no, no, good, good luck, man, because it's a it's a stressful thing. Um, okay, so we've got we ask for questions as we do on a Monday, and the subscribers have, as always, been fantastic with the variety of questions that we've received. So there's some really good ones that we can kind of uh, discuss throughout the. The, the podcast um celtic obviously have qualified for the final qualified is it qualified have 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 got to the final i guess <laughs> um of the league cup uh we'll talk about that later on uh, myself and alan were at the game Colin did the reaction so we've got some uh, kind of good uh, depth there um and we'll also we've got a couple of talking points we've got some news but let's start with the opening question and the opening question is from tommy uh in air um he asked can we afford to let Gigi leave the club without having his replacement in before he goes? Or does it look more likely he'll stay till the summer? Um, there's been no sort of updates with Gigi or with uh, Juranovic. Juranovic obviously took uh, part in the game on Saturday. You know, it's the 16th of January now. It's it's not like, you know, the, the month is kind of fairly kind of going. I don't know. Like, we're, we're running out of days in regards to the window. My fear, um, to be open and honest about it, is that it comes the last couple of days of the window and we lose someone and it's not... I mean, I, I, that's always going to be your fear, of course. But with these two players specifically, we'll start with yourself, Alan. Um, we kind of touched on this during the week last week, but is there a chance he stays? I mean, he scored the goal against Kilmarnock. He took his top off. There's some Instagram shenanigans, as there always is. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think there is a. I think there is definitely a chance that he does stay. I think it's clear that we are in the market for a striker, and I think it's also fairly clear that Gigi probably sees his long term future away from Celtic. So it's just a case of whether you can tie both up this month. I probably would look at the January side of it. There does still feel that there is a good bit of time left. I'd say. 15 days in the window is more than enough time to do business in and out the door. And it probably still would be my preference that that does happen this month. Um, I know he came on and scored at the weekend and, you know, we can trust him to score goals. I think it is about that long, longer term growth of the team though. And I think that probably does involve an improvement in the options that we have up front. So, um, I mean, I'd, I'd just be, stick my finger in there if I said will I think will it happen this month or not but I still think there is a willingness on both sides to have a deal done in and a done a deal done out the door for Gigi um, I don't think Saturday would have changed that much um, and I think it is just I think it's the reality of it so I would be optimistic of a deal being done I know that obviously there's a lot of names being mentioned that maybe seems that we are moving slightly further down the list now but that's what we'll need to do but 15 days to to me, it does sound like more than enough time for deals to be done for um, for both a striker in and a striker out. So I wouldn't um, I, I wouldn't lose faith or lose hope yet. Are you surprised? What will come? You calling? Are you surprised that like um, with everything that's happened over the last couple of months with the kind of and we kind of touched on this in the weekend update, and we've got the transfer committee this week as well, which we're looking forward to. But with everything that's happened in regards to how easy we've got players in. Players going out, it does seem to take a little bit 
a little bit longer. Is is that surprise you, Colin, or is that just the, the nature of the game? Because these guys are under contract, I guess. Yeah, it seems it's a wee bit stickier going out, and I think uh, Ange has been a wee bit um, coy about outgoings. Um, but with Yakimakis, it seems the most overt. I mean, I, I don't think he's been unprofessional about it, but he sounds a wee bit like a, a motivational poster at the minute, you know, like, live every minute like it's your last. <laughs> um, so it definitely does sound like he's 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 uh, keen to go. Um, but I feel that with... We're kind of spoiled a little bit with all the kind of business being done early and having people um, in the squad, you know, from the 1st of January. Um, and we're obviously getting to a wee sticky point, but I think Alan's right. We've got a couple of weeks left. Um, there is a wee bit, I feel like, th- yeah, the sort of the amount of names we're being linked to is a little bit alarming because that could be perceived as scrabbling about for a replacement uh, if Yakimakis does go. But then again, do we believe that we only about 10% of what we hear is is accurate. So, um, but yeah, and I think Juranovic um, as a potential outgoing, we've all sort of kind of think, we've all said our goodbyes to him in our heart of hearts. But uh, again, very shtum on that. It all seems very kind of uh, buttoned up. So um, again, I think he's just been professional about it. Um. I was really happy with his performance on Saturday. Yakimak has scored, so as long as they're as long as they're here they're, and they're still playing for Celtic, I'd likely want to. I'm not too bothered. Uh, they are contributing. Like it's not it's yeah. not like they're putting in they're not putting in the effort. Um, as we we'll talk we'll talk about the game overall um, a little bit later on. But yeah, I completely. It's kind of like you know how it's a night out or something, and your pals phoned a taxi and you say your goodbyes, and then it takes a wee bit longer for the taxi to come, and there's that wee <laughs> awkward moment. Where you're like you make you say your big goodbyes, and you're like bye, see you, blah blah blah, and then you're standing there and you're looking at them like oh, taxi's almost here, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I feel like you're discussing me at your house after a party, mate. I feel like that's a very Aimed, um, <laughs> aimed post, if you like, or aimed status. Hey, listen, if, uh, you know, at one time at one one party we had, uh, Alan came rushing back in saying he needed be, uh, taxi beers. So, <laughs> um, you know, that's... that's... Then I text you the next morning saying, why have I got a, a loose bag of beers and ciders in my hall? Uh, but he knocked but... on the door as if to say, look, there's be- something's happening. We don't have taxi beers, so I was like, "Of course, taxi beers, Alan." Of course, um, Gigi and uh, JJ again. As we can talk about their, their performance, um, but as just to kind of the, the main point in Tommy's question, the replacement has to be either brought in or almost over the line before you let Gigi go, Alan. Yeah, I think I think that is. That is true. I know that Dyson Maida can play through the middle, but I think you would be being a little bit maybe flippant towards the task at hand. I think if you were to say, nah, we'll just stick with Kyogo, given his injury history and sometimes his form as well. Um, I don't want to open another can of worms, but he, he is a player who is in a very rich vein of goal-scoring form at the moment. But I think that competition is very important and I think we need that. So I think it would be just being a little bit flippant if you were to say, well, Gigi can go and we'll work with what we've got because we are very light in options there. Um, and I think maybe some of the kind of soundings and inclinations that people have maybe taken over the weekend with some of the names that have been linked is that maybe there has been a slight shift towards uh, a meantime replacement as opposed to the long-term replacement that we'll 
well, everyone would want. I think there maybe is the idea that, well, we could bring someone in that can maybe assist for a shorter period of time than, you know, bringing in a 23 or 24-year-old who we feel has a big upside. So, you know, that will maybe come on to talk about some of those targets later. But I think I, I'm not as down on that as maybe I think you would be because I think it is a striker that you can rely on to score goals domestically. Um so I think if that was an option and you could make a, you know, you could get a good deal for Gigi going out the way and you could bring someone in that you do have faith in and belief in, then you know, I wouldn't necessarily be be against that because I think we have learned a lesson badly with hold on to players too long. They are, there still would be a market for them in the summer. So it wouldn't be a disaster if we kept them. But I think if players want to go, they're both at a good value at the moment. I, I think I, I'm still very much on the boat with both, to be fair, that if there's a good deal to be had for us, then, you know, grant their wishes and let them go if, if they want to. Um, let, I'll quickly move on to I, I got a question from Jambo Roy, and I want to open it up with uh, yourself, Colin. Uh, Jambo Roy messages and says, all right, lads, happy Monday. Uh, happy Monday to you as well. Any thoughts on Jota? Anything to be overly concerned about, or is it just coming back to match fitness slash Maida being on song? Um, this is an interesting one. Where I was sitting at Hamden on a Saturday, Maida was, I'm sorry, Jota was right in front of me in the first half, and it was really it's good because I, I usually sit at Celtic Park, I sit quite far back, so it was good to see him kind of up close. Um, his movement is just, his anticipation and movement is just really, really good. Um, that's not to say I think he's on song because I'm I'm not sure he is totally on song. We seem to have an overt reliance on him, um, probably towards the last six months of last season and you know maybe the start of this season. What's your What's your take on on Jota, his form, and what we can expect from him, Colin at this point? Uh, I think there's with Maeda being in form and talking about you know Jota playing on the right as opposed to the left, which I think most of us would admit that he's maybe more effective on the left. But I actually feel on Saturday he was a real bright spark in a real trench warfare kind of game. Um, he looked really bright. As you say, his movement was really good. I think he was uh, inventive. I, 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 I still feel that we've got... I think he seems happy. I think he's been maybe a little bit chastised is maybe a bit strong but I think he's you know he had a little bit of um, pushback uh, with like not starting and I think there was maybe like some implication that uh, this was not disciplinary but you know maybe just like don't expect to be in the front um, in the opening lineup every time uh, but no, I, 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 I'm I, I want to keep him as long as we can I think he's great I think um, whenever he doesn't have an amazing game, people seem to kind of freak out a wee bit um, because he is so good and he's such a fun player to watch as well. And the thing is, with the left wing, right wing conundrum, there's so much switching going on anyway. Um, it's almost immaterial. <laughs> so we'll see him cutting in from the left even when he starts in the right. So, um yeah, I, I, I'm not worried about Jota. I think he seems happy. I think he's playing good football. He's maybe not at the pinnacle, but I think he's got massive levels and hopefully we'll see them like um, achieve them with us. Um, Alan, what's your kind of take on him? Is he maybe, is the fact that Maida's playing so well, maybe taking the pressure off him a little bit? Maybe he's not in the kind of the, the spotlight as he was at the start of the season and maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, I think it, it definitely doesn't do any harm that we've got players that 
uh, kind of stepping up and contributing maybe more than they were, you know, previously. And I think I think this has largely been the way of it since Ange has come in. I think players have quite often dovetailed in their in their form. Um, and when players have dropped out a little bit, other guys have stepped up. And I think I think that is I think one of the big principles of the system is that it isn't entirely reliant on one individual and one player, which I think sometimes as a fan we quite like that um simplicity of, you know, you could go as far back like as Henrik Larson, but you liked it when there was one guy that just did the, the job and if he did it, then the team did it. But I think when you look at, you know, the, the period that Ange has been here, the 18 months or so that he's been here, the injuries we've coped with, we've been able to largely manage without players either in the team or at their best. And um, I think Jota is exactly what you signed, a, a prodigious young winger who when he's at his best is, you know, unplayable. But... I think it's making sure that you get that best out of him every week. But I think his overall, I'd probably be inclined to agree with Colin, and, and I think his overall contribution still is more than enough. I think Saturday wasn't a great game of football to watch. Anyway. Um, I think the conditions really weren't pleasant. I was kind of similar to you, quite near down the front in that north stand at Hamden. And to be honest, I was quite surprised when I seen Jota come out with the short sleeves, no under armour or anything on. Um, it wasn't a pleasant day to play football. And it's probably not the kind of game that a player like him thinks about when he makes that move to Glasgow. It's probably exactly the kind of game that he thought, actually, I would quite like to avoid. Um, but I thought him and Janovic at times linked up really well and there were some flashes of brilliance. The one thing, just maybe lastly on it as well, just that I noticed similar to the kind of viewpoint that you had, Gil. Again, I sat very far back at Celtic Park. The command of the ball that he has when players are so tight to him, I think you don't appreciate it until you do see it very, very yeah. close up. You have a player, you know, a player aggressively pressing you from inches away and you still, you know, you're quite happy to tease the ball out there. It's He it, it is a phenomenal talent and I think he is one that you will have to stick with. Some d- games he'll drop out, but I think when you pick your best Celtic team, I don't think there's any doubt that, that Jota is in it currently every every single time. See the amount of times that uh, Juranovic like overlapped or came down that wing or some player kind of tucked in Hatati was good at it and Jota releasing them. It, it, it's just, it's not even the, the, the quality of the ball, it's the timing of the ball. It's, you know, the, yeah. the, the ability to spot that move. He, he really is, you know, I don't want to kind of open up a whole tactical debate thing because this isn't the format to do it, but I look at Jota and I see a 10 um, I see someone who potentially, if the system was different, would probably play more centrally. Now, that might just be because I see his fancy footwork and all that, but he looks to me like he wants to control the game sometimes. And, you know, I do think that if, if Ange's system was kind of verified or we had a new manager coming in, for example, who was playing a different system, I don't think he'd play out wide. Having said that, I said the exact same thing about Aidan McGeady and he never played through the middle in his career. So, you know, well, he did for Ireland and he was actually scored lots of goals. So. Um, but yeah, I, I just think with, with Jota, it's, as, as much as he's, uh, you know, he's a prodigious young talent and he seems to play out well, you know, we mentioned, Colin mentioned about switching wings and stuff. There is still so much to mould with him, I think. I think there's lots of opportunities to, if you were to say, look, actually we're going to play in one I think he would do it. I think he'd take that challenge up, and I I just think he's a, he's an absolute 
pure heavy brilliant player by the way pure heavy brilliant uh this is the cynic this is the agenda for the week um you are currently listening to the agenda which drops at one o'clock every uh, monday afternoon so listen out for that you're listening to it so i don't know why you'd listen out for it because you're already listening to it uh tomorrow we've got the review with uh, graham and christian and they'll be looking at the game from saturday and going over other things that's happened last week wednesday we've got the reaction uh, to the St Mirren game obviously the St Mirren game uh, kicking off on Wednesday evening Thursday we've got the Celtic Women's Football Show which will be dropping um, early and early on Thursday afternoon and then Thursday evening we've got the Cynic Weekly as always on Friday we've got the weekend update as we gear up for the big game against Morton against Greenock Morton um, and we'll have a reaction to that on Saturday and then on Sunday we've got the Transfer Committee which um, Christian and uh, myself, Ian and Boud have been planning for for the last couple of weeks. Looking forward to that. Should be great. Uh, you looking forward to the Morton game? Uh, Colin, you're a big you big Morton guy. Well, my dad was from Greenock, actually. So I used to go to Morton games when I was when I was a wee guy. Uh, so I am quite looking forward to it. Um, yeah, don't don't write off the mighty Morton <laughs> just yet. I, I, I listen. I I would never I would never do such a thing. Never do such a thing. Uh, you know, um, the, the only thing, the main thing about Morton was the only time I went to Ibrooks was with my big brother, with his childhood friend, and he, who was a Rangers fan. And I was in the Rangers end watching Morton, supporting Morton. Jesus. And my brother saying, just shut up. <laughs> Don't say <laughs> anything that could be construed as pro Morton, you know. And I sat there and it was the most miserable experience, I think, of my childhood. <laughs> Jesus. It was like this place is horrible. I hate it. I hate uh, it here. Um, and got, we got scudded. Yeah, well, you know, I, I took that. I took that from the, your your reaction to the experience. Um, we got some news. Um, Ange Postecoglou has kind of indicated that he wants at least one more signing. We've obviously signed Alistair Johnson, uh, Yuki Kobayashi, and uh, Awata as well. Here's some quotes from the man himself. Uh, we need to strengthen further. We need to keep getting stronger. None of the three boys we've signed played on Saturday, but they're going to add to us, and hopefully we're going to get another one in the door before the end of the window. We worked hard at this, at this squad last year. Last year we had a core of players who had delivered, but I just felt we needed a stronger squad to be able to tackle what we need to tackle at this club trying to win three domestic trophies and being in the Champions League. There's always the possibility guys might move on for whatever reason. It's not about me pushing anyone on the door, out the door. Everyone has decisions to make. If something comes to the table, one of them feels strongly about, we'll discuss it. But right now, I'm more about bringing in than letting go. Alan, we've brought in a right back. We've brought in a central defender and we've brought in a central midfielder. Ange says one more. Let's say everyone stays. Let's say Giacomacca stays. Um, oh, not everyone stays. Let's say Juranovic goes, right? But let's say Gigi stays. What would the one more be for you if you could choose what position? And I know that is a hard one because, you know, weirdly we've got, uh, we have got positions to fill, but we also have a quite a bloated squad. It's kind of that kind of um, weird situation. What's your thoughts, Alan? One more. I think it would be... If it would be one more and it was an improvement in one area of the park that would improve that position, then I think I'd pick a goalkeeper, um, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, again, with a, an eye to next year and trying to improve the average ability of the team and trying to maybe change a little bit what we can do, it would be to to bring in a, ideally, you know, a top-class goalkeeper that could um, maybe help us out a little bit more in some of the elements we need. Um and I think as you know, mainly with an eye to European games, 
I think there, there's an improvement to be had there. Um, I think, obviously, if you're asking me what I think we'll get, I, I don't think we'll get that. I think we'll be a striker if we get another one in. But I think there is a... I think there is a need to improve there if we are going to, you know, have a proper go at the group stage of the Champions League next year. I think goalkeepers are area that might need to look at. And I'm not sure that any of the guys that are back up to, you know, Joe Hart at the moment, Ben Seagrist or, or certainly Scott Bain, aren't competing to to play at that level um, at this point. So I think you you would need to do business in the door, but I don't see it happening. But if I could pick one that would absolutely be an improvement on what we've got in any position in the park, it, it would be goalkeeper. Um, see, in regards to, I'll, I'll bring yourself in in a second, Colin. See, in regards to that, um, him saying we want one more in the door. Do you think he's talking about striker, even if Jackamacus stays? I don't, I don't think the the kind of market that we're shopping in and the, the names we've been linked with would necessarily be absolutely dependent on GG going. This isn't a case of, you know, that you're not looking to spend in the region of seven, eight, nine million pounds by the looks of it. I think, you know, the kind of, the most I've seen as linked with is around about four, four and a half million. So I don't think that kind of fee is prohibitive, um, you know, based on selling GG. I don't think you would want to have three vying for that position when you only play one one up front. You know, you're halfway through the league season, you don't have any European football and you've, you've got, you know, one game in the League Cup left. There isn't a, enough football, I think, to keep three strikers satisfied. So I think the, the ideal situation be, would be if it was a striker, one in, one out. But, you know, if, if you need to... Um, pull the trigger in an incoming one, then it might open up the options for, you know, potentially a loan move if Gigi really wanted away in the short term. But you, you could you could work with three quite happily, I'm sure. You know, it's um you, you could get through five months, I think, with three, you know, strikers vying for a start. I don't think that would be too big of an issue. Any longer than that, then maybe, but not in the short term. Uh calling yourself, what position would you be looking to strengthen? I'd like to see another six that we never see ever. Uh, and just sits on the bench or, or doesn't even get a Lennox time. Um, I don't know, like, it's it, to improve. I, I, I'm a bit worried about left back at the minute, to be honest. Um, and I know Burnaby was quite a big outlay for that position. Um, and I'm not writing him off, but um, I think there's some question marks there. And uh, I felt very much that he was. He's he's a sort of he was targeted on Saturday yeah. as the weak link, and I don't think he res- I don't think he responded particularly well to it. Um, but hopefully he'll improve. But uh, yeah, we're not going to go and buy a left back, are we? When we've got uh, got two already, we spent over three million for for Burnaby. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, my initial answer was was goalkeeper, but that's. Uh, see that thing of it going second and you just sound like you're just kind of copying I'm just copying your homework Alan yeah <laughs> but like um I think Joe Hart did a, did a good job on Saturday and reminded people that he can still contribute but um as we've been talking about forever with uh, Andrew's system we're going to be playing out from the back more we need somebody with a bit more uh ability at his feet and I think yeah it was what is like I was wondering as well about Seacrest, you know, like when we were talking about getting a sort of uh, a sort of backup from the, Sc- the Scottish leagues um, and watching Xander Clark uh, fill in for, I mean, he, to me, like Xander Clark already looks like an improvement to Craig Gordon for Hearts. 
Well, you know, so to, to, I know exactly, right? Uh, can you believe? But like, I just wonder if we maybe picked up the wrong sort of backup keeper from the Scottish leagues. But I mean, see, the thing is, Xander Clark is awful. So shut up, Colin. Um, <laughs> so never say that again, or you will be fired. Um, no, hey, listen. Just using my eyes. <laughs> um, regarding uh, regarding goalkeepers, um, Toby Oluwayemi has signed on loan at uh, Cork City. Um, I think it's for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's until June. Yeah. Segrist <clears throat> uh, seems to be, uh, whether he's injured or whether there's an illness issue there, he's, he's certainly not been on, on the bench the last couple of games. And yeah, I think... Goalkeeper is one that's going to keep coming round. Um, and again, I, I don't think Joe Hart's been horrendous this season. I think he has, we've maybe seen him, uh, his level drop from last season. Um, but I think goalkeeper is going to be one where there certainly needs to be competition there. And there really doesn't seem to be any sort of competition there in the slightest um, because as much as you're looking at replacing or challenging Joe Hart, if Scott Bain was starting for Celtic right now, you'd be, you know, I don't have any hair, but I'd still be trying to pull it out. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not <laughs> ideal. Um, Celtic, here's a, um, here's a link. Um, Celtic are looking at 29-year-old Brazilian striker Thiago Santana as a potential replacement for Gigi. And they're also interested in this 21-year-old um, Shimzu S. Pulse teammate, um, Suzuki, according to reports online. He's 29. He moved to um, the, the club for a million euros two years ago, having spent four seasons in Portugal with Setubul and Santa Clara. Suzuki is someone we've been linked with before. Um, so maybe maybe he's maybe the link that we're looking at. Alan, I mean, 29-year-old Tiago Santana... He's been playing in Japan for for a while. It doesn't fill you with a lot of confidence, um, but does he fill the bracket of that kind of stand-in sort of six-month signing that you you were talking about earlier? Yeah, I don't think... I wouldn't be under the impression that you would be making that signing with a hope to improve your starting lot for, you know, the first group game of the Champions League, which will hopefully be in next year. But... um, some players at the age of 29 are still quite good. It might be worth uh, pointing <laughs> out to people. Uh, you don't, you know, the age curve is a thing and it's a thing you absolutely apply to players. Some players, even past the age of 27, still manage to actually be quite good at football and can do you a turn. Um, and if Gigi's going out the door, if you're maybe getting £45 million there and you can bring in a player that can score domestically, which is what Gigi does for us, but let's not... Uh, I, I like Gigi a lot. I think he's been a great signing for us. I've said this loads of times, especially in a market where we've really struggled. But we probably need someone that can score goals domestically and replace that domestic output that he gives us, which is significant. But I don't think you probably want to spend six or seven million to replace someone that probably is scoring goals domestically, and that's kind of the limit. Um, which I think I don't think it's unfair to say that that's been Gigi's limit. Um, maybe struggled in some of the bigger games, as has Kyogo as well. So if it's a replacement for Gigi, then I think maybe the Santana link is, there might be something in it. It might be complete rubbish. Um, but it's probably not the longer term improvement we're looking for. But you know, it's, it's not an expensive deal. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen the player, so I, I don't know specifically what his you know, attributes are. But 
I did find the reaction to his being linked by a 29-year-old um, maybe a wee bit over the top. You know, he's not 37. Yeah. You know, he is a, he's a professional football player at the age of 29. I think maybe we could all take a wee step back, take a big deep breath and remember that, you know, 29 is not that old. Maybe that's me showing just a wee bit of... Uh, Maybe a bit of self-reflection there, but I just find it kind of laughable the panic that we might sign a twenty-nine-year-old. Um, I, I yeah. personally, I don't, have, deep breath. I don't have a problem with signing a twenty-nine-year-old at all, um, especially if he's a Brazilian striker because they are pure heavy minted. But what the kind of issue I do have is he does sound like a journeyman more than yeah, yeah and that that's the kind of thing I'm a little bit worried about. Not 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 that he's twenty-nine and not you know that he's even coming from you know Japan. Um, and again, nothing against the J League. It's just the players that we've signed from the J League have been hungry and young and been really looking to take their next step. We've not signed any sort of kind of older players from the J League. Um, I, I, what's your kind of take on it, Colin? Is it a, a signing that would kind of slot in and do a job for us? I think there's a maybe an implication that it's a kind of a bundle deal um, because it's like. It, there's the two players in the same team and they might sort of like bundle them together and come along. So it may be a, a like quite pragmatic, we'll get um, a sort of GG replacement um, and we'll also have a younger talent from the same bit. So the, help help them bed in together and then build into the future. So it could be quite a good, a good, um, a good tactic that way. Um also, yeah, in Japan, what's the life expectancy in Japan? It's like way, <laughs> way above ours, right? So 29 is basically 21. 21. Ah, yeah. So, um, and also his, when he scores goals, the uh, the music writes itself. He's called Santana. So, Oh, that's why, I, okay, I don't want him then. That's not, if we're going <laughs> to play Santana music. You don't want to hear Devil Woman or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, deal is off, deal is off, Alan. <laughs> I, th- I think you're right about, look, we were linked with a, a, a player that at the World Cup showed he had a lot of attributes and he actually looked like someone that could had really had a well-rounded game. And I think we're all quite excited by that. It, it doesn't look like he's dead in the water, but in the short term, it probably isn't one that's, that that will happen, which may look foolish when half past one rolls around in Glasgow Airport. <laughs> But um, you know, I take that. Fucking right. So I think there is a there is a slight disconnect between that and then. But is this we are moving down the list, and I think there's a difference between recruiting someone again to absolutely improve your first team and do what we couldn't do this year, and that's put the ball in the net in Champions League group stage games because that was a problem this year. Both Kyogo and Gigi, um, not to they both looked largely like it was a bit of a step too much from. And I, I know some people maybe think I'm overly critical of both there, but like, you had six games and we really struggled in them. I think Gigi got a goal in the... The final one. Yeah, the final game. Um, but they both struggled. So there's an improvement needed there. And if I'm being entirely honest there, I think um, Santana at the age of 29, as a journeyman, has been brought in to, to you know, remedy that. Probably not. But again, I think it is about the dynamics of if GG is really keen to move and you probably are looking for a replacement, you might need to try and get someone in. Also, you know, we, we do need to kind of... Two would, wouldn't be an issue if there was a clear hierarchy there. If you bring in two absolutely, you know, two, four million pound strikers and there's three players vying for that position, it's a problem. But if you do bring someone else in who's maybe sees it as a gateway, an option to come in and do your turn, then there is precedent for that. Um, so I, I'm not... I wouldn't say I'm excited by it in any way, shape or form, but 
there there might be a scenario where it could be a good deal for us in the short term. Um, and again, with the aim of moving Gigi out the door if he is really keen to go, which I think I think, I think he is. And I can understand why, because he wants to play more football. So, yeah, I think it's maybe just about taking a step back and trying to look at the context of it as opposed to, you know, kind of flying off the handle. Um, firstly, I would love a player named Santana at Celtic. I just think that would look cool on the back of the strip. But what... what do you know it just kind of smacks of Colin Chasm Richards for me. Like that sort of journeyman player coming in who, you know, hasn't necessarily blazed a trail. Um, but at the same time, again, you know, Ange Postacoglu clearly is very involved in the recruitment process. If he, you know, if trust the process, I guess. And if he wants to bring this guy in, let's hope that's the, that's the way forward. Um, the Cho deal seems to be a little bit, as Alan kind of mentioned there, a little bit dead in the water, specifically for January. Um, but his agent came out and basically said that his concerns about his fitness and stuff. It's Colin, it's just a bit of a pain, but it seems like it's time to move on for at least this window away from, uh, from this Korean striker. It sounds like they are painted themselves into a wee bit of a corner and now they're making excuses to get out of it. Um I don't I think I've been pretty consistent. I didn't think this the Cho deal was ever gonna go through. Um just a, just more an instinct than anything else. Um I think I think we're looking at the backups because also the other sort of targets we're looking at the your your man Casper um who went for pretty big money by by our uh, standards. Um so he's out of the running. So I think we're we are looking if if Yakimax does go, it is going to be stopgap measures get us through the till to you know for this season. Um and I would be happy with that. And I'd like to see us like have the uh league tied up and I'd like to see uh I'd like to see Joey Dawson get some minutes at the at like the tail end of the season. Why not? Uh once we've got it all tied up and develop some youth. Um, I've got a question from got, I've got a couple of questions that we'll kind of work our way through um, again thanks to everyone who has uh, submitted one they've all been really good standard um, this is from Chris Riley morning should Celtic fans scrap talking about transfer moves until they are done and dusted last week saw lots of angst and energy wasted on transfer rumours that get no farther than chip shop wrapping the following the following day trust in Ange until the end of the season until the end of the window and then get the knives out for Lowell and Son yes I'm into that um Great point, uh, point, uh, Chris. Um, that is the thing, Alan. As much as you know, we, we're just kind of reporting what's been reported because it's talking points. And I personally have always found it fun to talk about transfer rumors. I know that not necessarily everyone does, but it's always good fun to kind of imagine. But ultimately, you don't really take a until that player has the jersey and he's at Celtic Park. That's when you fully believe any of this stuff, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, this is maybe a, a much busier man than myself. I have nothing but time to chew over potential transfers and think about what I would prefer. So uh, I don't see it as time wasted. I see it as time very well spent. Um, I think he's probably right when you get to the point when, I mean, we were linked with, I think, four or five different names last week. And I think when he gets to that stage, you do, there's a minimum threshold for when you start to actually 
research a player, I think, well, in my kind of view anyway. And I think the only striker that I've really looked at and really kind of get excited about was was Cho. And I think there was, there is, was interest there. Um, I probably think that you still would be quite keen there until you see him sign elsewhere or he makes a firm decision that he's not leaving. So, but the names, you know, the rest of the names are, I think they are quite tedious. Um, agents will become very aware that Celtic are in the market for a striker, so they will be throwing their clients at Celtic. So that's when you start to see names get mentioned well and early. And I, I, I take very little interest in that, to be honest. So Joe is the only one I've really um, kind of spent any time looking at. And, uh, you know, I liked what I saw. So uh, whether Celtic have definitely moved on, I don't know. But it's... Yeah, he's probably right. We, we probably do spend too much time talking about um, players that will never ever don the, the, the famous green and white hoops. Uh, there is a podcast called uh, Transfer Rumours from 1995. Myself and Barry Gallagher go over all the transfer rumours from 1995. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't sign any of them. but um... what, what, a great, what a great plug that is. Do we spend too much time talking about players that will never sign? Well, we did a podcast on it. Circa 1995. 1995, brother. Uh, check it out. Um, did you see, I mean, this is obviously not Celtic related, but I mean, Mudrick signing for, what, 89, 90 million quid after Arsenal had a bid of, I think, 50 million quid and Chelsea just doubled it. I mean, he's a good player, Colin, and he looks a real talent, but I mean, the outlay on a, a guy who is still very young and still really hasn't had that opportunity to, over an extended period of time, show, it just shows you the state of the, the transfer market at the very top level, right? It's bonkers, and it's like an eight-year contract, yeah. and it was like, I heard... It, it was almost like an auction. He's like, they'd, they'd sold him and it was like 70 million. <laughs> and then last night it was like 90 million. And I was like, I haven't they already done this? Did they not know? Um, I just hope he spends some of that money on getting that stupid tattoo removed. Uh, but what tattoo? Jesus, he's got a kind of Jesus only written in his neck and it's pretty honking. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, just just a wee bit, of, a bit of laser removal. Uh, that'd be my first uh, big outlay. But yeah, I mean, it's just silly money, and it's Chelsea. Uh, I mean, you can, I mean, how how many? Can we just get one of their strikers? They've got about ten. <laughs> just I just geese one. Just, just demand. One. Just demand Aye. them. Uh, Alan, I mean, his Mitrick's performance at Celtic Park. I thought, well, and we're not going to spend too much time in this, but you know his. I, I'm not sure I've seen anyone as fast as him over that amount of t- with the ball at his feet as well. Um, I'm absolutely not questioning how much of a talent he is, but it's just the money is just incredible. Yeah. Um, if, the other thing I'd say though is if you were to spend near 100 million on every player that's looked like an absolute superstar at Celtic Park, then. <laughs> You would not have many, many hundred millions left. So I wouldn't use that as the bellwether for whether it would be a success or not. That It's classic Celtic, though, to bring it back to us, that this incredible generational talent probably should have moved last summer and he didn't so that he could dick us home and away um, before then signing for Chelsea. So I hope he has a thoroughly miserable career, quite frankly. Jesus. <laughs> Fine, good. Uh, we've got more questions. Uh, Liam uh, sent this question in. Um, interesting one. Uh, he said, uh, he sent this last week, but it was for the agenda. Uh, he says, morning guys, bit early, but I have a question for the agenda, please. Just caught the weekly discussing Iwata and Kobayashi and where they fit in. I think, presuming Kobayashi is a Jens upgrade, we may let Jens and Welsh go 
and then Awata gets his minutes at both six and centre-back. I think this would make sense as it allows us to have quality and depth while getting everyone minutes, rather than have a lot of players who play one position never playing. I also think Ange has cited Awata's ability to play in both positions, which he didn't do with Hatate when he thought he might be a left-back, and that's a good point, which suggests Ange may have this in mind. Johnson can also play centre-back, which centre back which potentially strengthens this argument further. What do you guys think? Um the idea oh actually do you know what I'll just bring you in Alan like um what's your thoughts? Because interesting points there. Yeah I think it is and um I think firstly on Oata I think there is the I think there is the scope there that he is a player who is um multi positional and that he he Reading at his quotes, um, which there were quite a lot of, and you know he, he did quite a bit of media when he came in, he, I think, seen himself or sees himself as a centre half. It was Ange that put him into the middle of the park where where he really did thrive. Um, so I think he probably was naturally a centre half, but has kind of moulded into this defensive midfielder. The fact that it's Ange that put him in there largely, I think, is something that you would put a lot of stock in. Um, and I think look with as Colin kind of mentioned earlier, it's an area we've tried to recruit in and it's just not worked. Um, A, because Callum McGregor is um, an incredible security blanket in the six um, and he's your captain, he's a phenomenal talent, but also he's another player who can probably play further up the park as well. Um, so I just think the dynamics of it, the players we brought in haven't been up to standard, they haven't really been able to compete, whereas I, I do firmly believe I really think Awata will come in and hit the ground running. Um, I think he will. Um, he looks physically ready. Um, he's played a lot of football. I, I think he's a player you see a lot of between now and the end of the season. Um, I'm, I'm not as convinced that we will see him as much at centre half, but I think it's an option, and I think it would be an option, particularly as as the as Liam mentions in the question, when you are making a decision, would we pull the trigger in Jens? I think you would look at that and say that's another area that we can maybe have covered by one player. Um, so I think, I mean, I mean, I don't think we'll take up that option on Jens personally. Um, anyway, I think most people would probably be that of that opinion now. But I think Awata is one that can come in potentially do as a job there. But I think he will come in and hit the ground running. Whereas Kobayashi, I think, might take a little bit of time to adjust. Um, he's probably not quite as polished a player yet. Um, so I think his kind of journey into the first team, if there is one, will be a little bit slower. Whereas Awata, it's um, all in. All in from me on him, and I think we'll see him. I think we'll see him this week. Uh, Colin, what's your kind of take on the idea that um, you know players playing in in different positions are being able to at least cover? So Awata being someone who you wouldn't necessarily want to play centre half, but has that ability, so he becomes your kind of a third, fourth choice, or fourth choice after Kobayashi. I think the the uh, utility player is a solution to like a lot of problems that we've faced recently and we've seen a lot of kind of jiggling about. Um, so I think that that's a, a absolutely important thing for us to have, especially because we don't want to break up centre-back pairings generally. So, um, and I think Jens, with the best will in the world, he had he had his moments, but I think that he struggled. Uh, so, and we have seen Starfelt getting injured. We have had situations where just like things are fluid. Uh, and Ange has to make sort of interesting sort of moves uh, to get kind of positions covered. So um, the, the trumpeting of Awata, I think, is, you know, like they're, they're really 
there was a hard sell on social media and like him coming out and you know a half time and everything and uh, I think that's an indication that we are going to see see him sooner rather than later. Uh, I'm excited to see it and I think yeah, just Kobe Kobayashi um, let him settle in and I think it's kind of good that he's not been thrown in. Uh, as quickly as some players have been. So, like, and just let them settle in a bit and not kind of... Because, I mean, I think Jens was, like, Mercedes Jens one minute and then on the trash heap the next. So uh, it actually says in his Wikipedia, he's just, like, often referred to as Mercedes Jens. And I was like, not anymore, mate. <laughs> so, um, I see. So yeah, I, I, th- I, th- I think basically just to, to conclude, Kobayashi and Iwata, like, the fact that there's a potential centre-back pay- pairing that can replace CCV and Starfelt given conditions is probably not a bad thing. Um, I saw, you know, the thing about Jens is if Jens, Jens came in and he had, what, four or five months where he'd, he'd what, two or three months where he was the, the, the number the number two centre-back. And if he'd done a, and I'd, again, if he'd done a good enough job, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, you know, if if he was the guy, if he'd really performed at the level consistently that Ange is looking for and that we're looking for as fans, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. But the fact is, we are sitting here saying it's kind of unlikely that we'll pick up his contract. Um, and I, I do kind of feel sorry for him because, you know, he, he talks very well, he comes across very well. But Alan, it's, you know, it's like almost like the decision's kind of already been made. Yeah. I think I would probably point out as well that his journey here has followed the pretty much the identical arc to his journey um, in France and that really positive start, but tailed off over time and found himself surplus to requirements. And I think I, I don't, it sounds quite mean um, because he seems a really likeable guy. He seems very popular amongst the team. And in some of the games, I thought he, he looked really good. He looked really polished. But he probably does find himself a little bit surplus to requirements now at Celtic as well. Um, this will be a big week for him as well. I mentioned how Iwata I think will feature this week. If Jens doesn't find himself getting any start either Wednesday or Saturday this week, then I'd say it's curtains for, for Jens at Celtic unless we have a um, bit of an injury crisis. Um, you've got a, a Scottish Cup, a home tie, um, and you've got a home league game after a pretty grueling Saturday game. If you can't get yourself involved at any point in those games, and, and I think even getting involved isn't enough, I think a start would be what you would be looking for. Then I think it would highlight that he's um, he's been usurped even further in that in that peck number. Yeah, um, time will tell. Essentially, uh, question from Alan. This is an interesting one. This is an interesting one. Um, it's not from me. I'll just point out. Oh, Alan's should, sending a question. We should also point out that last week we thought it was your brother <laughs> sending a question, Alan. If you'd like to make your statement. Uh, sorry for being mean, um, non-brother David Edgar. Um, uh, it was a really good question. I just was being a dick because I thought it was my brother. So sorry if you were offended. Sorry, Mr. Uh, Mr. Very David. sheepish. Yes, sheepish fair. apology. Yeah. Go on, it's like the mother and the son. Say you're sorry. Alan, say you're sorry to David. Um, but a question he gets for... 100 cynic points as we have an apology. Excellent. Uh, you'll transfer them, I'm sure, into your cynic wallet uh, any, any day now. Um, Alan Reid, as always, sends in a, a, an interesting question. Um, should we loan Idaguchi out to a Scottish Premiership side who will play him, even just to pay some of his wages, to see what he's like over 10 games or even the rest of the season? Um, it's an interesting one. He also says, 
Also, if Jack Jackamakis goes, do you think it is important we replace his abs as well as replacing him as a striker? It's <laughs> a very good question. Um, what what do, you, what do you make of that, Colin? Jackamakis potentially loaning him out uh, to a Scottish Premiership side. What's your thoughts? Edigucci, right? Yeah. Sorry, what did I say? Yeah. Sorry, Jackamakis. Sorry, you were just thinking. You were just thinking about his abs. I really you was. Annabelle. I was, I was uh, in another world. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd love to see Edigucci just. Just to see what haircut see he employs from a week to week basis. Um, no, I, I thought I had high hopes for him. Uh, I thought he looked quite tidy when he wasn't getting like fouled. Um, so, and I think yeah, like there's footballers need to play football, and if he's here, he's our player. Um, he should be getting some match minutes. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to see it. Uh, Alan, yourself? Do you think it would be uh, a worthwhile? Because um, he's still got, I think, three years left of his contract. It doesn't look like there's going to be any interest in this window. If nothing else, loaning him out would get him playing football, as Colin says, and potential suitors can look at him. Yeah, I, I, I probably don't see it. I think if you make the move from um, the J-League over here, I think you do it under the guys that you're going to play with one of the kind of big bigger clubs in the country. Um, I, I don't know if there would be interest from his side in a move to another Scottish team. Um, I'd, I, I'd struggle to see whether that would be feasible um, unless it was potentially an Aberdeen or a Hearts type. Um, again, similar to I think he's, any time I've seen him, he's, he's looked a tidy player. He's looked very athletic, very aggressive, gets around the pitch well. There's a there is a, a team somewhere that will want a player like that. Um, and really, I think he has got to be on his agent to find that team. Um, I know that it will be probably a big... If it was to go back to the J-League, it would be a big signifier because it would be what, the second time, I think, that he's, um, a, a move to Europe hasn't panned out for him. But there, there is a player there, and I think that there's no doubt about that. He's been very unfortunate injuries, but it's not going to work out from here. I, I'm, I'm not convinced that a move to a, an alternative Scottish Premiership team would really be... Would, would be the best use of his time. And I don't think there would be much of his wage getting picked up from, from another team as well. So I think it would, you'd be looking beyond their borders for um, for an appropriate loan move for him. But I, I really do hope he gets something. Mm. He's different to the kind of older players in that he's not 32, 33 seen out of contract. You know, he is a player that's got a, a football future um, somewhere as a starting player. It's just not likely to be here. So I'd, I'd be quite keen for him to get a move somewhere. What do you think, Alan, what do you think I'm just saying to him? Like he's obviously not making squads now. Do you think? Do you think he is looking, and him and his agent would be looking to make a move? Would there be dialogue there? Do you think? Oh, I don't doubt that. I don't even think. Uh, I don't think Andrew will be saying much to him. Going by, I mean, Andrew's kind of. Um, every player seems to say that he is very distant. Um, that he's there for them if they need him. But I think it's fairly clear if you're not making match day squads, I think he'll be aware that. Celtic would be open to moving him on. I think it looked early in the window like that would happen. So I don't think there's anything that needs said there. He's been professional, I'm sure. Um, but he'll be, he will be looking for a new deal. It's just trying to flush out interest from a club. Um, so hopefully something can get done now. Um, we've got a couple of qu- more questions about uh, kind of transfers and stuff, and then we'll kind of look back at the game at the weekend and talk about the fact that we're taking on Rangers in the League Cup final. Um, <clears throat> one question from, from Dave Gallagher. Um Good morning, good morning, fellow Fenians. Couple of questions for the panel. 
With current stick a man on McGregor, will that cause teams more issues if a Wata comes into that position? Um, and question two, if Moy and O'Reilly were to fight over the position in midfield with just a spoon, who would win? <laughs> I mean, we've obviously seen knifey spoony before, so definitely Moy. Um, Colin, Awata, um, you know, Alan's indicated how, how much he's, he's, he's all in on Awata, and I, I kind of feel the same as well. Different type of player from McGregor, potentially. We don't know because we've not seen him kind of fully in kind of focus. Um, but would that kind of bringing someone else into the six maybe freshen up and maybe what play, what teams have been doing, might they might find it a little bit more difficult? Or what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think there's something always to be said for keeping people off balance. And um, you think you've come across a solution, which is to mark... McGregor out of the game, but I mean, it's not it's not a foolproof plan anyway. I think we've seen you know, and I think uh, he also we saw him being able to sort of grab the game by the scruff of the neck uh, a wee bit on on the weekend. Um, but yeah, like that's it. unpredictability is obviously something that Ange thrives on. Uh, maybe not in formation, but he does change about during you know he changes the game state throughout the game. Um, so it's predictable in one way, but um, unpredictable in others. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I, I just really want to see Callum play in the eight uh, more often because, like, it, we talk about it, but it's, it's, it seems so long ago that I just want to see it again with my own eyes, just to just to convince myself. Well, that's it as well. Like, um, if <clears throat> let's say, for example, uh, let's say for a, a league game, a kind of Celtic 3, 3 p.m. kickoff at Celtic Park, you put a Watt in at the 6. Putting Callum McGregor in at the 8 would probably just have as much of a, an impact because, as as Colin says, Alan, we've not, we've not seen him play there f- for quite a while now. And I think people forget the qualities he has in the 8 and the kind of... The energy, the technique, the ability, and it, 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 I, it was something I'd love to see, even if it's just a, for a couple of games this season. What's your take? Yeah, I, I think I've been quite. I'm, I'm, I'll join the club here. I'm, I, I still think that he's got a future in there. I think he could do that role. I know that time is getting on, um, but I don't think. I, I mean, you don't particularly notice it with Gal McGregor. Um, he does look like he. He plays the game as as youthful and as, with as much energy as he did when he first came into the team under under Ronnie. Um, so I think we're a, a good bit away from that discussion about that being limited. Also, I think you've seen how much Aaron Moy has thrived playing in that number eight area, and that man moves at his own pace very much. Um, so <laughs> you know, I think Cal McGregor is a equally adept player, and he's get that experience. It's it's quite hard to put your finger on, but you know the way Moy plays the game, it's as if he. It's as if he kind of sees maybe a little bit ahead and he uses all that experience just to not put himself into kind of awkward or uncomfortable positions. I think Callum McGregor largely does the same. Um, so, you know, I think there is a big potential there. I would like to see Iwata come in. Um, I think he's a player that would, you know, to go back to Dave's original question about, you know, the stick a man on Iwata, you know, it's it would be a very different prospect. I wouldn't see teams doing it. And he is a more physical player. You know, there's, you would, there would be an uplift there in terms of our maybe a slight aggression um, and physicality, which sometimes might be required. A lot of the times in domestic league games it isn't, but again, we're thinking about those bigger, tougher games. And I think a a little bit more presence in there without losing any of the technical ability is something I think everybody would welcome. 
also just like to maybe throw in an alternative point on this spoon fight situation. <laughs> Matt O'Reilly has a very long reach, which I think would stand him in good stead for um, a spoon fight because Aaron Moy would have to get pretty close, whereas Matt O'Reilly's he's got the reach. So I, I, it'd, be a great, it'd be a great bout. I'd love to see it. I love the way you say spoon fight as if like it's like boxing. Like you've got boxing, you've got wrestling, you've got spoon fighting. Um, I, Colin, who are you taking in the, the great spin-off of 2023? Well, I'm thinking it's more like playing the spoons rather than they're fighting each other. So oh. they're just having a like a little clackety spoon-off. Um, and I think that Matt O'Reilly, um, because his dad his dad was like a punk rocker. Do you know about this? Have you heard his band? I've, I've, I, I, he's playing at the garage, right? I actually had like a pretty good seven-inch like back in the day, like like proper decent yeah um so i think i think matt yeah yeah um and i mean absolutely obscured as fuck but uh you know like definitely the sort of thing that probably i think it got a wee reissue and a bit of a um, yeah kind of like power pop adjacent pretty good so i think matt riley would be spinning spinning with the best of them while Aaron moy would still be you know he'd be he'd be thinking he'd be taking thinking. them slowly out of the case and yeah he'd think a lot of people would like to spin with Matt O'Reilly. I don't think we're the only podcast that we're discussing <laughs> that. Oh, very, very good, Alan. Very good, very good. Did you ha- when that came into your head? I can imagine you going, oh, 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 because it was. I'm going to do a George Costanza here and just just jump off now. That'll be I'll go in the high. <laughs> That's it for me. Um, uh, Paul Gibson uh, sends in a couple of questions. Um, I'm going to choose the the third question that he brings in. Does the panel think there will be a high profile loan signing on deadline day for the centre? forward position if it's not filled beforehand so do you think that we would go down the route and we would take that as a potential risk but there will be loan options available um alan you made the point about bringing someone in even just for the six months if it came down to someone like tiago santana who you know you have to pay a potential pay a fee for and, and and bring in and you know bring them all over here without the guarantee that he's Going necessarily going to be part of the squad next next summer. That's more of a risk than bringing someone in for six months who potentially already has a sort of pedigree in like British football. Maybe what's your thoughts? We'll start with yourself, Alan. I, th- I think there has been a, a clear shift to try and move away from um, transfer dealings that kind of go from window to window. I think the only exception, although I mean, I'm not certainly wouldn't say it's there's no chance. I think if there was a loan signing, it probably would be with a view to a permanent move, um, or perhaps a, a you know an extended loan in the next season. I don't, I don't think we'd bring someone in and say right, you'll do us until June. Um, I, I just think the system's very specific. Getting up to speed on that would take a bit of time. You've not really got, you know, you you don't you've got a four month window to really make your impact, a five month window to make your impact, and I just um. Unless it was with a beauty, a longer term loan or a permanent deal in the summer, I don't think. I think we've had a clear shift away from that dynamic of try and bring a player in who can get us to win the league. You know, we're already in a commanding position there, so I think it's a little bit different to you know some of the kind of higher profile loan signings of you know El Yunusi or even going back to Robbie Keane. They were in very very different circumstances. So um, any loan move I would imagine would be a, a, with a view to a longer term deal. Of yourself, Colin, is it something that would appeal? Maybe bringing a big name up just for a bit of a wee bit of excitement. It would undermine the whole 
narrative of contingency planning, in my opinion. Um, we're meant to be looking two, three windows ahead. And if we're bringing in like a sort of a marquee name, uh, probably of the aging variety from England, uh, I think it would it would smack very much of the kind of uh, desperation of some of our uh, more questionable eras. So yeah, I, I would be very surprised to see it, to be honest, um, because I really think that the contingency planning does seem to have uh, legs and actual backing, and it's not just kind of hot air. So I would be very surprised to see it. I'd I'd love it. <laughs> I'd love a big name. I'd love a big name being brought in in January. I don't care. Who, so who who would be your, who would be the big name? Um, let me see. Have you ever heard of a little guy called Lionel Messi? <laughs> no, never heard of him. No, I don't know. Like, um, no, I, he'd I, get slaughtered at Celtic Park. By the way, I, I guarantee you'd get slaughtered. Why is our star striker standing in the middle of the park <laughs> looking fucking bored? That would be the guy behind me would be screaming his head off, man. Um, you, you know what? You're absolutely right. Um, but no, I, 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 obviously, I think you know the whole idea of it, Colin. You make a good point about it, kind of undermining the whole process and all that and i get all that and i get the fundamental logistics of what we need to do but also a big star name for six months and with his arm around him i would be popping for that rightly or wrongly i would be popping for that so there we go um really great questions um and thank you for them but let's go now to the coat report Fifty B suffered their first defeat of 2023 in the weekend as Gallifrey Dave Lower travelled to the Excelsior Stadium. The boys only impressive were impressive over forms returning from a short break due to postponements in December. Victories over Rangers B several several strolls and Broom Hill put the young Celts in a good position to go on a charge for first place in the long week. Dara Day, Steve McManus would be looking for their squad to continue that run when they came up against Gallifrey Dean Lovers. The Celtic coaches made one change to aside from the win against Open Goal bringing Joseph Mercy into the midfield to replace General Letzosa. Josh Clark also kept his place as number one goalkeeper in the side. After the loan exit of Toby Olaemi, he will spend the second half of the campaign with Cork City. City would have been aiming to continue the form by making a stalled start at Yardra Stadium. However, it went the opposite way, with the visitors finding a quick two-goal lead through Quinn Mitchell and Alan Smith before the half-hour mark. As the game approached half-time, Celtic looked to have found the route back into proceedings as Kenny Garth put the boys within one goal after 41 minutes. Shortly after, the youngsters also sought their label after Adam Brooks netting an equaliser. However, the Scotland under 19 international was flagged for outside. Though, unfortunately for Celtic, they were essentially really extended once again over our time whistle, and Lewis Hall gave Gallagher a Dean 3-1 advantage going into the break. The second half started just as poorly for the Hoops as they went on a hunt for a way back into the game as Hall scored his second in the afternoon and his team's fourth. Celtic didn't make a push to attempt an unlikely comeback, as Joey Dawson scored his seventh goal in the last four games to make the scoreline 4-2 from their penalty spot. However, there was to be no comeback and the youngsters suffered their first defeat of 2023. It will come as a frustration to the coaches and players, particularly after such a good few weeks of results and performances. It will have the chance to bounce back in Wednesday as they face a tough test and take on Wolves down south in their second game of the Premier League International Cup, before swiftly returning back to their duties with a rescheduled fixture against Trident Juniors at home on Saturday. (laughs) 
Thanks to Lewis Laird for doing such fantastic work as always. You can check him out on Twitter at LewisLaird01 as he covers the B team and all the lone players. Let's focus on the semi-final from Saturday as Celtic uh, defeated Kilmarnock two goals to nil. Uh, myself and Alan were at the game. Uh, Colin did the reaction. I thought the reaction was excellent as always. Uh, great work from Graham, Colin and Annabelle. Um, Alan, what did you make of the, the game overall? Um, we've kind of touched on it briefly, but what, what's your overall thoughts on it? Yeah, well, it was a classic. Um, I mean, I think everybody's pointed out the conditions were not favourable on and off the park. It, it just it, it wasn't a great game of football to watch. But I think at times we played some nice stuff. Um, I think we controlled. We really controlled the game. Um, we didn't threaten. I think enough in the final third. But I think the as Colin used the expression "game state" earlier. And I, I think. When you get a goal up against um, a team like that in a semi-final where you know they're going to have to have a go at some point, then you very much take that up with it. I know Ange, we don't change how we play from the outside looking in, but sometimes we do. And I think we controlled that game, we controlled the ball. I thought I don't really think the result was in great doubt, maybe a little bit unfortunate um, in terms of not being able to add the second a little bit earlier, but it felt very comfortable. Um so no, I was, I was. It wasn't going to the game, rocking up. You know, I was at Hamden quite uh, relatively early in the stadium, quite early. It didn't feel like it was going to be a barnstorming. You know, Celtic Hibs twenty twenty type game. It felt much more like it was going to be similar to last week. Bit of a grind. Even when Kelly lost the goal relatively early on, their game plan wasn't going to be right now. We need to go for it. It was going to be similar. It was at Celtic Park. Hang in there. And then if you can have a go in the last 10, 15, then so be it. So, um, you know, it was very much it. I thought there were some really, really good performances in the day. I don't think anyone was outstanding. But, you know, some really accomplished performances that, that seen us over the line. Um, a bit of an ugly semi-final, but you get through to the next round. That's all it matters. Uh, I did that classic thing myself and Claire and uh, our, our good friend Marek Robert came to the, the, the football with us, which is the first time he's been to a game in, in a very long time. He absolutely had a jo- joyous occasion for him. But... Uh, Bowd and Marek live right beside Hamden, like right beside Hamden. And I, we did that thing where it's like, ah, his stadium's just there. No bother at all. Let's have another can. And um, it was like five minutes to kick off and we're, <laughs> we're right up the back of the queue. But um, we got in in time, so it was perfect. I, I thought um, in regards to on-pitch stuff, um, it was a bit ugly. Um, you know, there was some good performances, but ultimately, as, as long as we went through, that was the most important thing. But in the stands, I thought the the display was great. I thought that uh, it was a decent atmosphere, considering the conditions, because the conditions were horrendous. Um, what did you make of the game, Colin? Obviously, we we've had you on the reaction a um, couple of days out. Thoughts? Yeah, I think the standard of football we managed to play, and and I think a lot has been made of like the state of the pitch, and uh, and we've all been to well. Uh, if you've been to Hamden, you'll know that it's, you know, it's the wind cuts through it like nobody's business and it's not a particularly nice place to play or watch football, I'm sure. Um, but I thought we played some good stuff. I think we were incredibly unlucky uh, not to be winning that game 4 now because, I mean, I mean, all the kind of the really tedious chat about, you know, Oh, Ange has to eat his words after VAR decisions That's go. That's mental, man. That's fucking. Uh, Keith Jackson um, just 
just been ru- ru- <sighs> nah. Ah! yeah yeah it's it's just like it's so it's so dull and um i mean yeah so i i kind of like my memories of the game have now been clouded by all the kind of chat so i've just been looking at sort of the var decisions and looking you know like all like going over the stuff and i'm buying into their their whole i'm buying into the narrative so i'm trying to stop myself from doing that and getting annoyed about it because uh we were worthy winners and uh Kilmanic didn't deserve anything from that game to be honest absolutely couldn't agree more uh and the opening goal coming from lafferty just was the wee cherry on top what an absolute moron that guy is i have to say um Hatati's goal disallowed. It was really, really well worked. Disappointed to see that be disallowed. Maeda's goal, tremendous finish. Should they both have been disallowed, Alan, just quickly? Yeah, I, I think the... I actually still haven't seen the Maeda one back. Um, I, I think the guy that was beside me clocked it right away and he thought Kyogo was offside. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's offside, I haven't really seen any big dramas about it on social media, so I presume it was offside. It was a really, really nice finish. So it's, it's unfortunate. Um, Maida is in uh, uh he is tremendous. He, he will be getting drug tested, I would imagine, after most games at the moment, <laughs> um, because his form is just incredible. So, no, I don't have any particular complaints. I think there is a bit of a question with the Hitati one about the order of how decisions are reviewed. And uh, I, I see if we, I would be absolutely kicking off. Had we not won the game, but uh, my, my tolerance for getting into it with Arm now, and I think the point you guys made there about it, it has been, it's like a gotcha moment. Everyone is waiting for a decision to go in Celtic's favour, so it's like, aha, see, that's how it works. And it's like, yeah, we've still not, still not got that decision yet. Yeah. And I think people a wee bit on our side as well have been falling over themselves to say, oh, it's a definite penalty from Jackie Mackis. And it's like, it's clumsy. It's absolutely not a stonewall penalty, so I think we need to just go back a little bit on that. But um, no, no particular gripes with it. I knew as soon as it took longer than ten seconds with VR, you just knew how it was going to go. So I didn't uh, at the, even at the time. I just kind of got on with it. We won comfortably. Move on. As Colin says, I think we could have easily won that game a lot more comfortably. So um, I'm fine with it. Colin, just the Yakamakis thing um, for the all the clumsiness of it. Just in the run up to the actual goal, he's holding up. He's been filled in exactly the same way, if not more aggressively so. But he sta- he holds up the ball and then he distributes it and then he goes up and pops it in the goal. And everybody's complaining about just like, you know, th- there's got to be everybody's talking about consistency. So you could argue that Willie Collum has just been consistent in his decisions. But yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it was Lorenzo always brings up the sort of context of it all. And they're just, it's always just like, this situation has happened and therefore a decision needs to be made on it when in reality that decision is happening all over the pitch and that's actually happening to us in the opposition penalty box. Alan? Yeah, I, I, I would absolutely agree. Um, if, if you showed me that and it was the other end, I would be wanting a penalty, but it's, it, you will see that a lot and you will not see penalties given. If they start giving penalties for that, then we will see you know two, three penalties a game, which you know, that's, that's fine. We might want to designate someone who's actually quite good at taking penalties if that's going to be the case. But we'll cross that bridge and we'll come to it. I just wanted to, because I think you guys mentioned it as well, I, and I've seen a lot of people kind of saying the same. We were coming out of the bus park, heading back to the club on Saturday, and um, Hamden is just really, really so outdated it is not fit for purpose it was like a, I know there was a lot of rain it was like a bog I've, that's the first time coming out of a stadium 
in a long, long time where you have genuinely felt like there is nowhere to go, um, as in really, really crammed coming out. It's a relatively modern stadium as well, yet there is no kind of flow of people or anything. It's just everyone getting funneled out, what, two, three exits, 50,000 people going out at the same time. Hamden is so unfit for purpose and they're just far more concerned with you know, the one-in, one-out situation that they kind of did. We get the email saying there is an access control system in place. And it's like, yep, I know. It's, it's a ticket, mate. Most places <laughs> have it. That is your access control system. Um, it just start to finish and Saturday. It's probably as poor an experience you'll get at Hamden. I know things like the weather don't help, but generally for the National Stadium, it's just it's just a nightmare to go to. Um, see, see it's the- hellish. It's just awful for the kind of actual match the experience going to Hamden is... It's just a nightmare. There's nothing there. They don't try to accommodate or do anything to get people there early. It's just football 101. And again, football fans in the country just get treated like bust them in, bust them out and hope that they you know, don't cause any hassle on the way in or out. And it's like a great, no experience whatsoever. See, do, sorry, Colin, you go. No, I'm just saying that, that Bowd and Marek should uh, just do a little uh, can window <laughs> um, because it's a bit of a desert for pubs. So just like... You could make some easy money just selling some cans out the window. And it would just be me uh, just standing, just getting the cans off them. Um, <laughs> see, the North Stand, um, see if you are in any way a little bit later than you should be, like we were. Um, the queue, the, because all the, um, st- uh, what do you call it, the, the gates are kind of so close together, there's nowhere to queue. So you end up, everyone, it just becomes this big blob because... Th- because the the north stand is so close to the road to the to the actual street, it's kind of dangerous as well. It's like it's just Alan, you're hundred percent right. The pitch itself was horrendous. Uh, Ange mentioned it. A, a few of the others ma- managers mentioned it as well. This is the national stadium, and it looks like shit. And you know it plays terribly. So main point is no no replays of any incident at any point in the game either. Yeah. Genuinely, at half time, was watching highlights on my phone so that you could see, yeah. you know, the replay to go. I don't know what the script was there, but no replays. I don't know. There's some sort of weird Scottish bylaw that now means you can't show replays in a stadium or something. But again, just people at the stadium kind of miss out on a lot of what's actually happening. Um, just uh, before we move on to the, the, the potential, not potential, the League Cup semi final, I'm sorry, final, uh, Dale Sherry tweeted a message to WhatsApp. Question for the agenda To catchphrase CM Punk talking to Ryback, is Willie Collum a cheat or is he a dumb as fuck for getting in the way of the ball three times? He kept getting in the way of the ball. I mean, it was just uh, Alan Collin, a referee's not supposed to get in the way of the ball, and he got in the way of it three times. Talk about we were talking about the positioning of Jota and his awareness. Well, he call him lack of awareness. First and, one, uh, sorry, call on you go. No, on you go, on you go, mate. First one, I would have allowed, I would have given. You know, that's fine. That happens. The second one, I, honestly, you should be there. Should be a punishment. You should be able to scan the ref or something. If you if you get in the way what? more than twice. <laughs> I don't know, something that... Who wants scanned it in the National Stadium live on TV, mate? So I might encourage him to try and get out of the way. I don't know. I'm just... It's an idea. You always... Like, you make these really eloquent points and then you always go to scanting. Scanting's like your, always your go-to thing. It's just a quick and easy way to embarrass <laughs> Basics. <laughs> basics. Sure, basics. Colin, what's your thoughts? 
Sorry, I'm just I'm just reeling uh, over that. Um, <laughs> they call it dacking, dacking in Australia, don't you know? Uh, getting dacked. There you go. Um, yeah, just um, I, I, re- I think I remember somebody saying, "Oh, yeah, the the referees never want it to be about themselves. They want to keep out of this. They'll be very, you know." He just he just seemed to be doing it for shits and giggles. Um, yeah, just like, whoop, there we go. Uh, and you know, like you see athleticism in referees, like jumping over players and. Uh, I was watching the El Clasico final last night, and like the the referee was like grease lightning. <laughs> yeah, and and then you just see the sort of the, the state of some of our guys. So yeah, uh, I I was trying to work a fifth columnist uh, joke up, but uh, it, yeah, it kind of it didn't get past the the planning phase. I'm afraid. Uh, unfortunate. Uh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just uh just dale uh sherry is uh he's got a twitch account uh so check it out at mag twitch 89 he tweet uh twitches about wrestling stuff it's really good I, I follow it quite a bit and he's a really good dude so check it out um and funnily enough our friend marek we were talking about uh during the game at halftime we were talking and uh marek used to play football and he was saying that when he was 13 he was um playing in for whatever game and he said, and Willie Collum at 13 and 14 was a referee. And it's like, who chooses at 14 years old to be a referee? Marek was saying he used to get like, he said, if you think he gets abuse now, you should see him at a, a, an under 30, <laughs> under, under 15 game. He was getting abuse all, all over the shop. But um, yeah, that just, that's his mentality, you know. It's, it's, it's must be a kink. It must be a kink. <laughs> to want to be a referee mm-hmm. jesus um wait so obviously the game yesterday with rangers aberdeen i watched uh, i watched most of it up until they scored an injury time uh, or extra time alan 26th of february league cup final celtic rangers what's your kind of instinct what's your thoughts on it yeah i think uh well you know this I reckon that Hamden is is very good. Um, I think there is maybe we've not quite seen it um, yet under Ange. Uh, absolutely being at our best, maybe. Um, I, th- I think a lot of that probably goes down to that semi final last year. So you know, there's a clear incentive there to go and correct it. I think the timing of it as well is quite interesting. If you put it into a wider context, you really could you really could bust their bubble quite early. Um, I know it's it's the League Cup, not the Scottish Cup, but you know that's what the game is what five six weeks away. Rangers are you know going along nicely in their kind of perspective. First final, you really could put a big dent in you know their the revival under the new manager. So it's a big opportunity for us. It's a big opportunity for them as well. But um, I'm I'm always nervous before these games. It's quite a long way away, so I'm not putting too much thought into it. First. Um, the first hurdle will be the the draw for the home cup ticket scheme, which was largely in my mind yesterday, to be yeah. honest, because I thought an Aberdeen final would be an absolute lock for a ticket, whereas now you're probably, I don't know, 60-40 that you will. Um, so I will I can safely confirm right now that I will be in that 40, given my previous lockdown <laughs> record. So um, I don't know where I'll be watching again. But yeah, it's a, it's a big opportunity. I would like to see is right what I felt was a real letdown last year. That is the way your mind works when it comes to these games, to be honest. You don't forget anything. So it's a big one, but it's a long way away. And we've got a lot of football to be played before then. But, you know, early instinct is it's a big opportunity for us to, um, you know, pop the balloon, if you like. So Love it. Absolutely love it. Colin, what's your thoughts? 
Yeah, I think Aberdeen were very unlucky not to get something out of the game yesterday. I didn't think they looked all that great. Uh, and just your captain getting sent off is just so infuriating. I mean, like, just, I mean, Aberdeen fans must be livid about that. Yeah. Although I think Barisic should maybe have got sent off for his horrendous scissor kick challenge, uh, scissoring challenge, and um, uh, was it Colson or? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I'm just dying to, like, normally I would say just like, I don't want the stress of, like, playing them more than we have to, but um, I think I mentioned the other day, like, Beal just, irritates the fuck out of me so much and I'm yeah I'm dying to see um all the kind of like he appeals to he's just he just appealing to the base you know like to put it in that, that sort of trumpist terms of <laughs> everything he says seems designed just to sort of like feed this kind of horrible mentality so yeah let's just go and show them what real football looks like absolutely Alan you want to come in yeah just just on Colin's point there about um not wanting to play them more than you have to. I think that you I think that most people tend to fall into that category when you are ahead and you're a front runner. And we are the front runner at the moment. And the league, I think, well I think on and off the part, we do feel in our opinion that we are quite a bit ahead of them. So I think what you then really want to do in those scenarios is limit any scope or any opportunity to allow them to bridge that gap. And that, that's what this game will be. They would see it as a huge scalp. They would see it as a both a, a trophy that they've taken from us, but also they would see it as a, a big boost. So with that though comes the the flip side, which is that it could end up just really flat and um they could wet the bed at hand and yet again. So I, I hope it's a lot. I hope they completely fall on their face, quite frankly. I wish them nothing but bad things. I, I think we all do, Alan. I think that's that's I just like... wanted to just wanted to reaffirm it. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I'm getting myself wound up to be honest. It was when <laughs> it was when Colin started talking about Michael Beale. I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna just gonna chime in here. Yeah. Just let everybody know I, I don't care for them. Yeah. Well, do you know what? Sometimes it is good to verbalise it, so hats off to you. Um, Thank you. Listen, uh, this has been fantastic. Uh, A good start to the week, uh, as always, with the agenda. Um, Plenty of stuff coming up this week. As we mentioned, we've got a reaction to the St Mirren game on Wednesday. Got a reaction to the Morton game on Saturday. We've got the Transfer Committee. Cynic Weekly will be back on Thursday. Celtic Women's Football Show, the weekend update. We've got all your top uh, shows. The review will be tomorrow as well with Graham and Christian. Um, Alan... It's been an absolute pleasure, sir. Thanks very much. I hope everybody enjoys the, the lovely weather. Enjoy spring. Enjoy spring. Spring has sprung. Uh, Colin, superb as always, my friend. Thanks very much. Uh, great start to the week. So thanks for having me. Great stuff. Thank you for everyone who submitted questions. If there are any questions that we didn't get to, we'll get to them on Thursday for the Cynic Weekly. Uh, from Alan, from Colin, from myself, Chris Gallagher, this has been The Agenda, and we'll speak to you down the road. 